Hello, everyone, and welcome to Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people and others in the autism community to learn from their stories. If you haven't figured out by now, I love supporting autistics to get the things they want and need in their lives. So when I find other people that are as passionate about this as I am, I definitely want to talk to them about it. One of those people is Becca Laurie Hector. A few months ago, she was on Autism Stories to talk about an exciting new course she was creating called Self-Defined Living, A Path to a Quality Autistic Life. This course just finished up not too long ago, and I asked Becca to return to learn about the results. Becca graciously said yes, and we had a conversation about it. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Becca, thanks for returning to Autism Stories. You ready for another podcast adventure? I absolutely am. I am excited to be back. I love coming back because you know I think you asked the best questions ever. Now, last time you were on Autism Stories, we talked about a course you were about to present, Self-Defined Living, A Path to a Quality Autistic Life. I know the course recently ended, so I wanted to have you return to hear the results, how things went. I know the course was broken up into three units over three months. Why did you decide on this format? Well, a couple of reasons. Um, I know that this kind of work, personal development work, it takes some time to settle. So as you're learning the tools and techniques, you need to kind of practice them a little bit. And then you, I think of it as like in karate, how you layer the to- your tool sets on top of each other. So that's kind of the way that I built the course. So like you get good at the basics and then I add in some layers and then we add layers on top of that. So in that way, the units work and I kind of spread them out. So folks had um, some digestion time in between. We also do a group coaching call in between the units, and so I had to have space and time for that as well. And the first unit was about stepping forward. In this unit, you covered the path to a quality autistic life and how to start your journey. What are some initial steps people can take in the process? Well, the beginning steps is really, you know, and and the big message of the stepping forward and why it's titled stepping forward is really that... You know, it's, it's stepping up to the plate and saying you're ready to do it, right? So that's the very, very beginning step, and it's the one step that I can't help you with, right? It's yeah. the one thing that I can't do for you. But once you get to me, right, once you take that first step and you decide you want to commit yourself to making some changes to the quality of your life and you decide you're really, really ready to do it and you're really, really fed up with your own BS, that's when I'm ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's step one. Um, and then after that, it's a lot of the beginnings are a lot of um, mental switches, a lot of retraining your own brain, how to think and digest about stuff. Do you see step one as the hardest step or what, what do you think of that? I do. There's a couple of times throughout this kind of growth that is hard. But in my course, I think the very first step is the hardest. The one that I can't help you with is the hardest. Literally a solo journey to decide you've had enough. And it must come from you. It can't come from your outside supports. It can't come from anybody asking you to do it or paying for you to do it. It doesn't work unless you're that engaged. You have to be committed to it. Um, You have to be committed to yourself. 
Um, and so I can't help you with that. And that's always the hardest part for everybody, every human being I've ever met. Taking the first step into the unknown is scary. And then after that, you know, there's a lot of like, I talk about being comfortable in the uncomfortable because you're uncomfortable a lot when you're making changes. You're uncomfortable a lot when you're having growth. Um, but it's, you know, uncomfortable stuff that is supposed to lead you to long-term comfort, right? So it's momentary discomfort for the long-term comfort. But that those parts can be hard. So when you're making a change and you make a mistake and you kind of go back to an old habit, a lot of us beat ourselves up. Okay. That's like, you know, not a necessary thing to do. It's part of your growth is to make a mistake. And I always say, if you're not making a mistake, then you're not really trying. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you're not really committed. You're not really anything. And so that stuff, understanding that and, and really it's beyond understanding. It's about really accepting it, that that is re the reality. And then that you're in control of that piece and accepting that reality. And those things are hard. There it's, it's hard to retrain your brain about stuff like that, that you've been thinking one way for a very long time. It, it's, it's funny hearing you talk about mistakes because I have that same philosophy. I'll say a lot of times, like, nine out of ten things I do are mistakes, but that one that I get right or the one that isn't a mistake can really take me to places I didn't ever expect or dream of. Right, exactly. And that's the place that we're working from, right? That's all that we're focusing on in this course is that spot. And so it's uncomfortable. It's hard. So something that you included with this course is a one hour of recorded instruction on how to begin stepping forward into your best life, your best self. After going through the course, did you get a sense of how important having this video for participants to refer to in between the, the months uh, from one unit to the next? Yeah, I mean, I think for the cohort that went through this unit, you know, this course together live with me this time. So there's a couple of ways you can do it. Right now, I'm doing, I'm running live we just finished the live three three units we did it over a course of three months um, i'll probably do it again come the new year and run through it live but in between it's going to be available pre-recorded for people to do on their own if they feel motivated to just watch the lecture on their own and that kind of thing so it's essential kind of for the autistic brain to be able to revisit that information Right. Especially when you're like, wait, this is the thing I learned and you're in the moment and you want to make that change, but you can't remember what it was. And there was some way that I said it maybe in that moment that worked for you. So you need to go back and hear it again. Right. Okay. The other part of it is that what we talk about in there is really part of a cycle that happens for everybody. Right. We all hopefully chase a goal, reach that goal and then pick another one and keep going. Right. So that it's a continuous cycle. Um, and so helpful when you're going through it for another time, chasing another goal to be able to go back and remember the basics also. But I think for the autistic brain, being able to hear it over and over again, when it, the way that it said to you makes sense is essential, essential to people. Now, I might have heard you, maybe I heard you incorrectly, but you said it, the course is going to be happening again. Is that correct? Yes, it will be. So my hope, well, I didn't know that the last time I was here, so here's the secret. <laughs> behind the course, right? It was my COVID pivot to push the course forward. And so I put the course together and I put it out there. And of course I had no, first of all, I had no confidence necessarily that everyone would be interested in or enough people would be interested in it. Cause I've been doing this a long time and I've always been on the outskirts of everything. I've always been the oddball of the oddballs, uh, so to speak. And so I wasn't necessarily sure that people would dig it or if they 
would prefer to do it with me or prefer to do it alone or if I would like doing it with them or doing it separately, right? There were, I had no idea. So now that we're finished with it and then the first cohort has gone through and we've developed a nice sense of community, it's like how can I not then offer that opportunity to somebody else? And so what I think I'm going to do is probably twice a year, maybe three times, but probably twice a year. I'll run through it live with folks. So if you want to get in with a cohort and do it live with me over the course of three months, you can. And if not, and you want to do it on your own, you can do that too. That's great. Now, once participants learn the basics of a path to a quality life, Unit 2 led them to fortify their focus. In, for, in fortifying your focus, it's about creating positive habits to get the things you need and want in your life. What are things that you think are helpful to autistics in this process? Well, there are a couple of things. I mean, I, I teach a lot of different techniques and little things you can lean on throughout your journey and throughout your life. Hopefully you stick through it. And, and one of the things that I think sticks the most to me is you know like in the beginning course i talk about just basic mindsets right that the mindsets that autistic adults end up with without a diagnosis and how to fix that how to not really fix it how to change it if you want it changed that's really what it is if you're ready for the change um and it's a commitment so when we get to you know two we're talking about what it takes to build a solid foundation right? That's what I want to give people. Here's the solid foundation that you need to be setting to do any kind of growth work, any kind of goal chasing, any kind of anything. You need to set up a basic framework for yourself. So we talk about a bunch of stuff in there, but the one that I know can make a difference almost instantly for anybody is to practice the pause. Um, and I think for those of us who are autistic, we feel this social pressure in many different scenarios to answer people in a certain set amount of imaginary time, right? Before people make that face at you, like, were you listening? Right. And I don't like that face because I was listening, but now I'm thinking and now your face distracted me from my thinking. Right. And so yeah. what we need to do is remember that as autistics, we deserve the right to take that pause and we shouldn't feel rushed through it because often when we rush through that pause, um, we give an answer that's not real or isn't true or we didn't really think about. So many times that habit becomes the habit of saying no. In order to answer you in time, I should say no, because if I say yes, I could be saying yes to something scary. So I'd rather just say no, and then I'm safe. And then we just get into this habit of saying no to everything new, no to everything scary, no to everything outside of our comfort zone. And that's a dangerous and sad place to be at the same time, right? You're not really functioning or growing or enjoying anything. You're just kind of surviving. Mm -hmm. And that's not where anybody wants to be. Nobody wants to be just barely making it through. And so we have to do some setting up of things that create that create the scenarios that we need them to, like practicing the pause, allowing ourselves the right to process through a question and come to an answer that we feel good about and then give it. And sometimes there are secrets to it. Sometimes you can't, um, you're in a scenario where you, you can't, say, excuse me, I need a minute, right? And so you have to learn to insert other scripted answers. Like, um, I'm not sure, Can you, you know, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. Or, you know, little scripts that help us in that social moment to, without also providing an answer to the question, right? And so we can take the time we need. Scripts are definitely really important. When we're working towards our goals, I find it can be really helpful that when that you're not doing this alone. And earlier you talked about the group calls. 
How do you think that helped to the group calls? How do you think those helped to develop a sense of community for the participants in the cohort? Well, it was a really important piece of it, and for me too, right? Because as an educator, right, because that's a position that I'm in, and they're, you know, teaching them things. I want to know that they're engaging with it, that they're learning it, that it's helpful, that they're not stuck somewhere, right? Um, and I needed to make myself available, but I didn't want to um, create that scenario where everybody's working on their stuff alone. I wanted everybody helping each other, right? I want people to understand that independence is a falsehood. Right? We all work with other people on things. Nobody works alone on everything. There is no real independence. Everybody is interdependent on each other. Right? And I needed, I need our folks to understand that because we don't understand that in a safe way. It's really hard as an autistic person, especially without a diagnosis, to find a group of people you can be vulnerable with and trust that that's okay. Right. And so what I needed for everyone is to be able to say that about the people around them, the people that were sharing the group call, the people that were going through the units with them, because when that's when we find our best friends is when we are engaged in real conversation, vulnerable conversation with people who are like minded. And I wanted these folks to know that they could be their own support system. They didn't need me necessarily, that they could help each other once you find the people that are thinking like you right? They'll know the kind of support you need. Um, and so that was important to set up for folks. Um, not everyone participates in the group coaching call. It's of course optional. It's just part of the package. A good chunk of us did. And that was really helpful. It was helpful for me to know places where folks were getting stuck that maybe I could improve the presentation, but also to know that they were out there working on the stuff that I gave them to work on and it was making a difference in their lives, right? That was important to me as I was continuing on. I feel like whenever you're teaching or coaching or whatever term that you're learning as much as you're helping the, the person that you're teaching or coaching. So I'm wondering what, what did you feel like you learned throughout this cohort? I think, I don't know that I, I don't want to say that I learned anything new and that's not because in a bad way, I learned that what the things were that I believed to be true are actually true. That's what I got to learn. So all the hypothesis behind creating the course was confirmed for me through this, right? And it was about learning to really, I guess the lesson is, yeah, Beck, you're right. Learn to trust your gut. And like, that's something I, I preach all the time. And that's what creating this course was, but it was a, it was my baby project and it is my most vulnerable secrets of life, right? That I'm sharing. And there was a chance, of course, that folks could turn around and think I was a whack job, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was a vulnerable place. And I learned that I can be vulnerable and people will reciprocate. So how much of this course was about things from your own life that you've taken and then, and, and applying it to this course and also, or how much was it about from learning from other autistics? I think I want to say most of it is from my life experience because where I gathered the information wasn't from an autistic space. Hmm. So I was in a position very early on after my diagnosis where a therapist recommended I look into mindfulness, right? And that's where my journey began was in mindfulness. And, and then I went on a search for all of this personal development stuff. And I was, what's out there in personal development isn't by autistics. It's only for neurotypicals, by mm -hmm. neurotypicals. And that was the biggest issue, right? Was that I didn't have an autistic voice in there. There wasn't 
stuff to right mm-hmm. and that was frustrating so what ended up happening was that i took an autistic approach to personal development which was read everything find the patterns figure them out and use them figure out how to use them for you right mm-hmm. that's like the logical way i could think to break it down even though it's a spiritual journey right and so i i did that i read all of these books i read the secret i read the four agreements i read big magic i read you know you are a badass i read all of those books and they do they they have patterns they all there are pieces of information tools and tricks and um ideas and thought patterns that they all share in common that are important enough that every single person that writes about this mentions it in their own way, shape, or form. Whether it, but it's usually through you know a different model, right? Everybody writes about it differently, the same concept. So what I did was I, you know, I couldn't help but see the patterns. That's how my brain works, and I captured them, and I've essentially taken them and said, well, this is how this thing would work for someone with an autistic problem, right? Here's where I, when I would use that technique as a person who's living an autistic life. And I said, okay, I'm now going to, I want, well, I've done it now. I bottled them all up, right? And I said, here is the meat of the meat and potatoes of what these people talk about. Like, here is the, I don't know, here's the guidebook, I guess, to their stuff where the, I don't know, the cheat sheet even uh, to their stuff, really, right? Um, And so, because as autistics, we don't have a sense of patience for the fluffy. We don't have, we don't like a lot of extra words when a, a sentence would have done the job, right? So it, I have built a presentation of personal development for autistics that is just that, right? It's just directly what it is, right? And that's what I love about it. Now, it's, it's one thing to get what you want in life, but it's another thing to maintain the things you want. Your third unit was about thriving. What are some principles that are important to autistics in this process of a quality life? Wow, uh, that is a big question. <laughs> Very big question. Right? It's huge. There's so much. It's sort of, well, I mean, there's stuff we need to think about that other people don't have to think about. Okay, As an autistic person, there are things that I do think about um, on a regular basis and stuff that I don't think about that other people spend way too much time thinking about, right? So what I do is I teach in the end unit the stuff that I think you need to maintain what it is that you're doing. So you're going to grow to a certain space, and then you want to maintain that growth, right? You want to stay there, and then you want to be able to build on top of it to the next space. So in order to do that, you have some maintenance to do. And finding the maintenance techniques was a little bit difficult. That was complicated. How do you maintain certain things like making sure that you're stimming? How do you maintain certain things like making sure that there's joy in your life and that there's your special interests are in there? And those are things that are very specific to the autistic experience. We experience joy in a different way. We experience joy from different things. Um, And we're often criticized about how we experience joy and by what we experience joy, right? Like, what do you mean you love trains and trains are that much fun to you, right? And then they make the face at you like it's crazy that you should enjoy something that much, right? And then there's, you know what, don't tell a lot of people that because you don't want them to think you're X, Y, Z, right? And so there's a lot of correcting of our joy and the things that we love. And what we need to do is learn to kind of cut out all of those voices that aren't our voice 
and remember our voice in there. And that is that, you know what, who are you to criticize my joy? Get out of my face, right? And we don't learn that skill set when we are trying to fit in all the time. Um, and that doesn't doesn't help us a lot. So when we talk about maintenance stuff, I talk about things like, well, what are you, you doing? Are you doing resolutions for the year? Or are you picking a theme instead for the year? How are you keeping yourself in alignment with the stuff that you want to be doing? Have you checked your boundaries? Have you done certain things, right? And um, I give a lot of tips about how to just maintain throughout the year and how to maintain on a daily and monthly and yearly basis for yourself these kinds of things. Because when you make these changes, it shocks your people around you a little bit, right? And so in order to, to stay on track and not have them them pull you off because they're so shocked that you're changing, right? You have to do things to make sure you stay in alignment. And we talk a lot about that in Unit 2 and Unit 3. I guess I understand it, but it's always been frustrating to me when, you know, something brings someone joy and then someone else is saying, oh, you shouldn't, that shouldn't bring you joy. Yeah, it's it's upset. It's really upsetting when you when you pull it out of con like that way, and you say you replace special interest with the word joy, right? And you say, yeah. well, when you correct my special interest, you're correcting my joy and what it is that I I have joy. Who are you to do that? All of a sudden, there's a diff. It feels different to the person doing it, right? Because that's what happens. Before that, it was well, we know that you have these obsessive interests, right? They, they're obsessive and, and naughty things, and they interrupt what we want you to be doing, right? And so there's a lot of correction of that joy all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that can present a really big problems. It definitely creates mental health issues, I think. But besides that, it creates self-esteem issues, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that you, the way that you experience this very basic thing that is not in our control right no one controls joy and it's so crazy and and that's what happens and so it makes for very sad angry people it's interesting you you bring that up because earlier today on instagram i saw a post about things that bring autistics joy and there was there was money it was a small bar trust a small bar and then routine it was a really long bar so i'm curious what what are your thoughts on that on that I think we're all different. I think there are similarities enough across the board with autistics. There's a bunch of us that struggle with routine, though, right? And But there's yeah. a good majority of us that don't struggle and really enjoy a routine. We, we enjoy when a day can go by without chaos. Um, I talk. I don't like to, to do neurotypical versus autistic in, in a lot of ways, but it's de- the day we, way we go about our days is definitely different. Autistic people like kind of to know we like to be prepared we like to come into a scenario ready to do the thing whatever the thing is and non-autistics tend to do this like fly by the seat of your pants thing and and just do the oh let's be spontaneous and that word feels like a curse word to an autistic spontaneous right what do you mean i had no prep time i have no idea what you're talking about right it's a scary thing and so routine to us is saying like okay i i can I know what to expect out of today. And when the day goes along and it goes as you expected and nothing went off, I mean, it's like the best feeling in the whole world that you felt prepared for that day. Because most of the time we feel unprepared out in the world, out of control out in the world. Um, And this is a way to maintain some sense of control in our lives. Now, I know your cohort just finished up, but if you had... Have you heard any feedback from the participants about how your self-defined living course has helped them? 
I'm really happy to say I have, which is an amazing thing. Most of the time what I do in my job is put stuff out into the world, into the void that it is, and hope that it sticks somewhere. And even if it does, there's a chance that I'll never hear about it, right? And so that's how I do most of my work. And the pleasure of doing this kind of stuff, like doing this court with course with a group of people over the course of three months means that we get to connect not just as autistics but as human beings and we get to know each other and we get to celebrate each other's successes with each other and there's a lot of bonding that happens because we're all being really vulnerable and talking about the scary stuff so it's it's not you're not able to help the bonding it just happens right um and now you know we're all engaged in each other's lives and that's amazing and so what happens is we, you know, through the course of it, there's been a lot of check-in with each other. We've, there's been a lot of support because one of the other ways that I took advantage of technology and to build a community was to create a private Facebook group just for those of us who are going through the course so that if they got stuck in the course and that we didn't have another class or we didn't have another meeting or whatever, there was someplace else to go to catch each other, right? Like, here's what I'm thinking about. Can you help me process through this, right? And so in that group, we've shared even more than just in the course time and the group coaching calls. We've gotten to know each other even better and shared photos and all kinds of things. So we're a nice, tight group. And I think that because of that, they were open to sharing with me this morning how, and in that group, in our private group, how it's touched them and how it's worked for them or not worked for them and all of that. And I've been encouraging their feedback the whole time because I want to make it better, of course. Um, but this group of people will never be replaced for me, right? You only get one first group. And I remember, you know, right before doing unit one for the first time, how just nervous I was and scared. And I hope they get it more than that. I hope they like it. I hope they don't think I'm a nut job, right? And I hope I don't think they, that they waste their time or their money. Um, and to know that it's none of those things and to know that what I thought would happen actually happened to have my hypothesis proved correct feels amazing. And to know that I will probably forever have these people in my life. Now they will forever be the first people that walk through this course. I hope not the last, I hope we'll have lots more, but I hope they'll, they'll um, be up there and they'll be waiting for the next group that goes through in a group for them to, you know, they will be the, the hands waiting there to catch them when they come out of the big units, you know, it'll be nice. Now, before you go, we, we must plug our new project, the InfoDump Files, oh, that yes. debuts on uh, September 23rd. I'm, yeah. I'm so honored, thrilled, excited. Um, there's thousands of adjectives that I could think of, of how excited I am of, to be working with you on this. Can you tell everyone what the heck uh, our project is about? I certainly will. I am <laughs> as excited as you are, if not more excited. The two of us are like small children about this project because it's so much fun. Um, we don't get to do a lot of fun stuff, right, in our jobs. We're always, I'm very serious in my job most of the time. I'm talking about serious things, so I have to be serious. And most of the time I'm educating and I have to make sure people understand. But the blessing of this project is that it's about none of that stuff. It's about <laughs> the fun stuff. So Doug came to me after we had worked, uh, we had done an interview here and he had talked to me about a project because I enjoyed working with him so much. Let's collaborate again, right? Um, and so he told me about this idea he had for a book to kind of collect everybody's special interests, to somehow have a, a collection of all of these things of everybody's love of their lives and to kind of celebrate the special interest for what it is. 
Um, and I love that because to me, the special interest is just, it's joy. It's joy in a can to me is a special interest. And so I, of course, love it. I love it when people create joy. I love it when they share joy. And I was like, this is it. This is the best project ever. So we sat on it for a bit and we were trying to work it out. And then all of a sudden I had one of those four o'clock in the morning ideas that come to you out of nowhere. And I said, hey, Doug, what if we did it as a podcast and then we could transcribe it into a book and then we can put it out as we're doing it instead of waiting for them all to be collected. And I said, then I could put, we could do it on video too and I'll put it up on my YouTube channel too. And everyone will know what we look like too. And he said, okay. And so we just, we got really excited and on it. So what is coming to you guys is, is this little labor of love of, of fun and joy that we are sharing with you. We are going to be having autistics on not to talk about their work, but instead to talk about their special interests. So we get to know what are the special interests behind all of these autistic advocates and how did their special interests play into their lives? And what happens is since we've already recorded our first episode, I can tell you that much joy was had. And I can tell you we laughed a lot and we had a good time and it was a very comfortable conversation. Um, and I think we will be spreading that joy on the 23rd when we drop the first episode for you guys. Yeah, I, I definitely laughed a lot. It was it was a lot of fun. But how big of a nerd I am I that I wanted to make it like a book, like an encyclopedia, and you turned it into a much more interesting project. <laughs> well, I, I don't I love an encyclopedia, but you know these days to get people to read these days is not so easy, and we're all in front of our computers. So hey, you know. Um, but I love it. I just love the idea of cataloging the joy, right? And just you know, letting people have that, you know, we don't get a lot of just fun stuff in the autism community. We're always advocating. We're all always educating. We're all always um, trying to help each other. And we forget that we can also laugh a lot together. And so we're going to bring some of that with us. Do kids even know what an encyclopedia is? I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of like Wikipedia, <laughs> but like, that's how I feel. Like that's how we used to describe Wikipedia was as an encyclopedia on the computer. So Wikipedia is a computerized version of what an encyclopedia is. It was. I had a world book. I had a world book set, and I every time a letter arrived, I was a happy girl. So. And have you gotten tired of my million emails about the info dump files yet? No, I love working with you. It's really fun, and I think. You guys will feel it when you listen to it. I think when people become friends, when they're working together, um, it's just more fun to listen to. So I'm sure we'll get to teasing each other about lots of things down the line. And you guys get to come along for that because we're not going to edit too much. That's the other thing we're not going to do. I want everyone to really just feel like you were sitting there with us having a conversation. Yeah, I definitely think people are going to be really excited about it. And I can't wait for everyone to listen starting september 23rd and becca as always thanks so much for making time for me and returning to autism stories always a pleasure it really is i really enjoy it thank you thanks to everyone for listening and thanks so much to becca for the conversation you'll be hearing much more of becca and me together on the info dump files starting this week we will certainly have some fantastic guests and they're already lined up excited about talking with all of them and it's going to be a lot of fun so check out autism personal coach or becca's social media this week starting on wednesday september 23rd to listen or watch the first episode if you'd like to be notified about each week's episodes of autism stories we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform 
We would also appreciate if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about autism stories. On the next episode of Autism Stories, we will talk with Hunter Hansen about his blog and YouTube channel, The Life Autistic. Talk to you then.